Okay, so I see this guy, right? He's running towards me. I'm out in the street, uh, just like a normal day. I was telling some people about Jesus, and then this guy starts running up towards me. He's got blood on his face and blood on his shirt. And I felt like God say, I want you to stop this guy. And so as he got closer to me, I got in front of him. I said, hey, hey, listen, I need to tell you something. And he sort of got angry and stuff. I put my hand on his shoulder, and he just shoved the, the hand off. And he said, what, what? And he's sort of angry and stuff. And I said, look, I've got to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he goes, get away from me, man. He goes, I don't want to hear that now. I just got beaten up, and my wallet just got stolen. And I just, out of my mouth, just accidentally came, well, God will give you your money back. And I was like, oh, how did I even say that? And like, I just volunteered myself to give that guy some money. God's going to ask me to give him my money. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. I've got to pray. And so I said, okay, well, just let me pray for you. And God's going to give you money back. So me and my friend, we sat this guy down. He's sort of angry, you know, and we just prayed a simple prayer. We said, Father, would you just bless this guy and just give him his money back? And as we're praying this prayer, about 20 feet in front of us, literally into the natural realm, just pop these two notes. And they begin to float just like a maple leaf would float in the wind right up in between that guy's feet just right in the very middle and the guy's looking at at the the money and I'm looking at the money and I'm like yeah I felt like I I should have asked for a car you know like I I remember thinking about this guy I was like uh, this guy's just seen Jesus invade the natural realm he's broken man his eyes are like he starts to weep and stuff picks up the money God literally gave him his money back that he had uh, stolen from him and then we began to pray for him and bless him and obviously straight away he gave his heart to Jesus like he had no problem with the the Lord after that and uh, he repented gave his heart to the Lord and then he told us that his father hadn't spoken to him in a long time and they were really separated like a big rift between the two of them and so we prayed again a simple prayer and by this time you know like um, the faith that I never had before just was all of a sudden in me that God could just do anything and so I said well God you know his dad you know where his dad's at I ask you to restore him you've restored him to yourself you've restored him to you father in heaven would you restore him to his natural dad and so we prayed about five ten minutes later he begins to walk off I've never experienced anything like this where this money just dropped into the natural realm I've been trying it ever since it's not working I, I was just wrecked man I was the, the love of God for this man was so deep and so so strong in my heart and I watched him walk off and I got tears in my eyes and then I see him pull out of his out of his pocket he pulls his phone out and he answers the phone and then he turns around he's like and it's his dad and his dad instantly calls him within like this whole thing took place within 15-20 minutes and his dad called him straight away and his dad and he came, came back and told us his dad wanted to reconcile with him catch up with him turns out his dad had been thinking about him for a long time that day I felt nothing I didn't feel any particular anointing I just felt God say stop this man and I was afraid he had blood on his face and shirt but as I stopped the man God came through with his supernatural power it doesn't take a genius it doesn't take a superhero it just takes someone that's willing and God wants you to know that he's willing to help you and you're willing to to step out for him that's a pretty amazing story isn't it that's cool though yeah that's I want to see that you know I want to be part of stuff like that that's cool. Well, my name is Wilson, and uh, yeah, I just want to welcome you. So happy you're here here this morning. Uh, like my dad said, I'm one of the young adults coordinators, pastors here. And this morning, we're going to do something a little special to start off the service. Andrew Asmus, he's one of the leaders in the young adult, our young adult group. It's called House Group. In case you're unfamiliar with it, it's for anybody from the age of like 17 to 35, and we meet on Thursday and Friday nights at a house in Forest Park and a house in Coleraine, and we just get together to worship and uh, read a little bit of the Bible together and to pray for each other. And Andrew has become very involved, Andrew and his wife, Becca, have become very involved in house group. And so, yeah, we've really loved to get to know them, but the Lord's kind of leading them to another place, and Andrew is joining the Coast Guard and we'll be leaving on Tuesday. 
So Luke and I, the other young adults pastor, were getting together with Luke and Becca just to talk to them and kind of bless them and spend some time with them before they left. And Andrew was sharing a lot of his story with us. And man, we just really felt like you guys needed to hear this. And you guys needed to hear some of his testimony. And I really feel like a lot of you will be encouraged. And yeah, God will really speak to you through Andrew this morning. So let's welcome Andrew up. Come on up, Andrew. Cool. Thank you for having me up. Uh, Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Cool. Well, Andrew, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what life was like for you growing up. Okay, so uh, I grew up in Cleves, Ohio, which is southwest here by the Ohio River in Indiana, and uh, grew up in a Catholic family, uh, very close-knit. But as I was growing up, about the time I was in middle school, I started having um, these occurrences that started to really freak me out. Um, I would wake up, and I'd have scrapes on my arms, or I'd uh, see hooded figures next to my bed, or uh, just stuff like that. And then actually, I didn't know how to process it. I knew, I didn't know anything about what it meant. Um, but all I knew was that it was terrifying. And I want to get away from it. And so because of that, I actually wound up fleeing from God and from anything spiritual, became an atheist. And I think in a sense of like trying to protect myself, I started like really being hostile towards Christianity in general. And so these we would say those are like, this is demonic attack, spiritual warfare, where he was actually being attacked in that natural way, natural realm by. So this really pushed you away from the Lord. Tell us what kind of brought you back or what, uh, what made you believe there was a God? Right. So I, uh, I went through from you know, middle school and all that happened to about my sophomore year in high school. And... I uh, started becoming involved in drama and choir and all this stuff, and I had some cool, really cool people pouring to me and invite me to Young Life, which if any of you guys have heard of it, it's a, uh, a ministry for high schoolers. It's where they visit each high school and they have leaders there. And they invited me to one of these, and I started becoming a part of it. And the leaders there were pouring into me, and they were answering and responding to my hostility, my questions, my cynicism. With, uh, with just patience and God's love. And so through that, I actually, that summer, was at a Young Life camp. And I, I accepted Jesus, and I, I just responded to him with love. But I remember the most profound thing that I said to God when I was doing this was, God, if I do this, I don't want to be like the Christians I had seen in my life who, like in high school, would be, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but I... I didn't notice anything about them. I was like, God, I don't want to be like that. What I want to be is if I do it, God, I want to go all the way. I, you know, I don't want to hold anything back with me and you. Just, we just go for gold. And so ever since then, I've just been trying to do so. That's awesome. So you really felt early on, like you had a passion to serve God Mm -hmm. and you didn't want it to be like a lukewarm thing. You wanted to really be going after him. Exactly. That's awesome. And it also really sticks out to me and encourages me that there's the patience and love of those uh, young life leaders that really mm-hmm. took you to a place where you could, your heart was open to Jesus. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I know you met your uh, wife, Becca through young life mm-hmm. and you guys got married about a year and a half ago, right? No. Two years ago. Two years, Two years ago. <laughs> and I know that early on in your guys' relationship, there were some struggles and some really hard things going on in your, in Becca's family. Would you kind of share with us, share with us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, Becca and I, 
I'll just start from when we started dating. We started dating for about a week, and her mom's uh, she, her mom had mantle cell lymphoma, which is uh, pretty much one of the most aggressive forms of cancer. Uh, the survival rates are about one to three percent, probably. Um, extremely low chances of survival, and that was in the first week of us dating. Mm. And so, because of that, we had I had a decision to make: was I just going to be her friend and say, "Well, it's." too stressful, you know, we're really, really young in our relationship, or am I going to stick with her? And I decided to stick with her. Uh, and through that, we, you know, we're in college, but we, we try to make it work. And we, I remember we went to the hospital probably in the three years time of that struggle. Uh, we probably spent about a year approximately of our three years in the hospital, in the intensive care units, wherever. And uh, we just, we witnessed so much and so much pain through all of it, the ups and downs, not knowing what's going to happen the next day, not knowing if we were going to have to rush to the hospital and get married right then or whatever. And so we, uh, we did get married uh, on June 22nd, and her mom was there. She got to see it, and that was awesome. About six months later in February of, not this February, but the year before, uh, Jennifer passed away, and actually, she uh, she was at the UC intensive care unit um, downtown Clifton, and she she was kind of there, but she was she was slipping away, and so we knew there wasn't much time. And so, uh, her little brother Ben was a senior in high school. Becca's little brother. Yeah, right. Exactly. Sorry. Thank you for that correction. <laughs> um, uh, he was in high school still, but we really wanted Jennifer to see that Specka's mom. Uh, we wanted her to see uh, um, Ben graduate. And so Corian High School actually had a uh, special graduation ceremony for Ben right there. And um, it actually was recorded, and it became uh, international news. Um, there was a big a big deal about it. You can actually see the YouTube video still. And um, it... It was amazing that God was able to use something that was really tragic for us. But he used, uh, you know, Jennifer and everything through this to touch so many lives. And that was just, it was, it was a blessing, um, even though it was still very hard. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine how hard that would be. Um, but, yeah, tell us where you guys have been in the past year and how you came to the vineyard, how that fits into everything. So when... Uh, Jennifer passed away. We were very emotionally and spiritually just worn out. We were burnt out to the core. And so we remembered that Young Life actually would host, or I'm sorry, Vineyard Northwest would host Young Life banquets here. And so we were like, well, that was a nice church. Let's go check it out. And we came here and really loved everything about it instantly. We loved the worship. We loved the message. And uh, started trying to become involved and invested here as soon as we got here. And I remember how uh, Van and Lori just would always ask us, like, hey, are you going to go to, you know, Wilson's house group? I'm like, no, no, I don't think so. And uh, they kept always asking us. Um, we, we were... The other services, you said they were hounding him. Yeah, hounding, yeah, yeah. And then I, of course, said encouraging very strongly. Um, but... Um, they, they kept prompting us to try and go there. 
And we had experienced with some college groups before where it was just, you know, oh, we'd gather here to have a Bible study. But it really didn't accomplish much. And it was really more of just a hangout. And so we were very wary of that. And uh, we, we did eventually come. And it was, it was a great decision. Um, the second we walked into uh, Wilson's house, the Cochran's house, uh, we just remember seeing... You know, dozens of people there. We were expecting maybe 12 people, you know, a bunch of friends. But it was like 30 people. And we walk in there, and everyone's just there. They're warm. They're greeting you. And it's not the kind of churchy, oh, hey, who are you? You're new here. That's nice. It was like, you know, it was actually like, hey, we, you're cool. You're new. Like, who are you? I want to know about you. Sit next to me, whatever. Um, it, was, it was really cool and empower, empowering. Um, just there was a lot of love there. I just... There would be 30 people, like, in a circle, just, you know, shoulder to shoulder, but in a circle. But it was just so great because everyone was, um, they're all there for the same reason, which was just to draw near to God. And uh, it it was such an encouragement to our faith. So cool. Tell me a little bit about how you're, you really feel like you had a previous love for the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of Mm -hmm. kind of biblical knowledge and you studied a lot. How did house group fit into that and complement that? Mm-hmm. So I actually was studying ministry uh, at Cincinnati Christian University. I stopped attending there when Jennifer passed away so I could work full-time to help out Becca. Um, I, uh, I still, you know, really love the Bible, and so I, I study a lot and everything. So as we started becoming involved with house group, you guys kind of invited us along and actually kind of invited us on to Bible study, uh, facilitating the Bible studies and, uh, got to really help out with that. And honestly, what for me has stuck out so much about the Bible and just house group in general is that what we read in the Bible, especially in the new Testament, so it's so easy for us to get in this mindset of, well, that was then. And this is now that for some reason there's this barrier, like after the first century, there was a brick wall put up and like, we can't tap into that anymore. But I never really believed that. I mean, especially, I mean, think about it. In my youth, I witnessed sinking demons next to my bed. So I'm a little like, hmm, I don't know. Um, so, you know, I actually was very open-minded to it. But I didn't understand how you could tap into it. I didn't know that. I understood that there was a possibility. But I didn't realize, like, how we actually did so. And so coming to House Group and coming to the Vineyard, um, really was great to just transform just my faith from being, you know, about simple acts of service and reading the Bible into really walking a life that looks more and more each day like that of the disciples or more and more like the people from the book of Acts. And that was just, that's always been my dream. And so that wasn't done on my own. That was from, you know, coming here and hearing from um, van talking or from you and Luke and just uh, learning more and more what it means to pray for people or uh, what prophecy is or, you know, just all that. The stuff that's so enigmatic or, I'm sorry, uh, very foggy or like mystical. You're just like, oh, that sounds so crazy. I don't know what that yeah. means. <laughs> so getting, you, you had understanding, you had an idea of what it was, but actually getting to participate in it really made a big difference to you, Mecca. Yeah. For me... Like, you can read the Bible and you can get so much out of it. But there's so much more to it when you can get hands-on and be 
and you can start living the way that people lived in the Bible and be like, wow, I can actually be, you know, everybody gets to play, you know, John Wimber. Uh, we can actually be a part of this. And it was just, it's so cool. I know it's, it's grown me a lot and it's grown Becca a lot. And uh, honestly, I think it really translates a lot into helping me realize who I am in Christ. Uh, through all the turmoil that Becca and I have faced in our relationships, we went from, you know, feeling really beaten down and like we trusted God through it all, but it was still very hard to feeling empowered and being like, you know, what, I carry the power and the presence of God no matter where I go and God's going before me and just being like walking with that almost like, you know, more than conquerors, you know, just, you just, you want to be like, okay, I can do this. I, whatever God has next, I can, I can walk into it. And that's all about just God and just really reinforcing who I am in him, just the co-aware mentality, like that, you know, Jesus sees me as his, his son, his, his friend, and so much more and understanding that. That's so awesome. So cool for you to sort of really put um, nuts and bolts to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Andrew's been, Andrew and Mike have been a really critical part of the young adult ministry here. Their faithfulness and their leadership has been, I mean, invaluable. And it's been awesome for me and blessed me a lot to get to know him and, and Becca as well. Let's introduce Becca really quick. Yeah. I forgot about stand that. Up. <laughs> hey, Becca, honey. why don't you stand up? <laughs> so Andrew actually felt like he had a, a prophetic word for the church. Like a prophetic word is something that he felt like God put on his heart to release and to speak to us that will encourage and build us up. Mm-hmm. So um, Andrew's going to share that in a second. And then after that, we can all pray for him really quick since he's leaving on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, won't we all just stand up again? <clears throat> and Andrew's just going to speak this out. And if, yeah, your, your heart wants to receive it, just say that in your heart. I want to receive. And you can even put your hands out if you want. Yeah. So uh, what God put on my heart, actually, if you remember when we had Mikey here preaching, he said that God is making Vineyard Northwest into a distributing model for other churches. And I feel like what God put on my heart is an echo to that, just an affirmation. So God is just saying that, like, the word is stay the course, that what we're doing as a church, just keep pushing into, keep pushing and just becoming more and more in, uh, entwined with his presence and understanding who we are in Christ, just like I was talking about, like the identity that we have. So he's just saying, pour, push into a relationship with me, because when you do that, there's going to be a culture shift in this community. We're going to touch the community and there's going to be churches that are going to start to replicate that and that we're going to see that just transition all around the, this area and beyond. And so actually, I just want to pray that out over you guys real quick. So just, Jesus, I, I just, I proclaim what you say, God. That I just, I empower that. I just, I pour that out on them. And just, God, that you would just enable them to just, uh, just pour and push into the region. That they could, that when they go outside, God, that they can have the ability to pray for people. God, that you give them the hearts and the ears to understand what you're saying for them to go and do. God, just, again, just empower them more and more to just be a, a model for the community, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah. Let's just extend our hands to him and pray a quick blessing over him. He's leaving on Tuesday yeah. for the Coast Guard. So Lord, we just bless Andrew and bless Becca. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for them. We pray your peace and your provision over both their hearts and lives. And I just ask that you use them so mightily and powerfully wherever they end up, wherever mm-hmm. he's stationed. Yeah, just let him bring your kingdom there in a fresh way. 
We just released the same thing happening in this, that's happening in this church mm-hmm. to Andrew and Becca and for that to happen wherever they go. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Cool. Yeah, that's so good. I love hearing um, from people that are just really pushing after the Lord. And I think it's especially encouraging when, when they share words with us like that and they release into our life things that God's doing in their life. So yeah, we're really thankful for you, Andrew and Becca. Okay, well, for the next about 10 or 15 minutes, I want to talk to you guys about something that the Lord's really been putting on my heart lately, like specifically in my quiet times or in my personal time with the Lord. This is something I really feel like he's been speaking to me about and teaching me about. So I just want to share with you guys. Does that sound good? Cool. We've done this, this long series on the gospel for about two months now. And really, when we embrace the gospel, it welcomes us into an identity transformation. And it lets our identity totally change into an identity that's based in Christ. Whereas before it was based in the world and in things that we did, now our identity is based on Jesus. And the thing I really think he's been teaching to me is that worship our worship to God flows out of our identity. And this is where we really tap into worship is from our identity. So like I said, the gospel is an identity transformation for us. There's a constant question. This is something Chad Dedman said. He's another pastor of Bethel and he spoke here once and he said, there's a constant question that heaven and hell are asking. And that's, who are you? What's your identity? So the real purpose of us going through the, the gospel series, or one of the big purposes, was for us to actualize and realize our identity in a new and fresh and profound way. You know, we can never be reminded enough what Jesus did for us. And the amazing thing is that while before we were defined by what we did, so before we accepted Christ into our life, before we embraced him and surrendered to him, Everything we did defined who we are. So the fact that we sinned made us sinners. We were driven by that desire. That was our, that was our driving force. Sure, we could have um, moments of being nice and good and selfish, but ultimately our hearts were not selfless. Our hearts were not um, loving by nature and they were not compassionate by nature. But when Jesus died on the cross for us, he came down and sacrificed himself we got the opportunity to accept him into our life and, and welcome the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and for us to then have a new heart and a new set of desires and a new set of motives. Paul says it like this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me and it's no longer I who live. So what he's really getting at here is that now we want to do what Christ wants to do. Our heart is, is the, the same, same motivation from Jesus's heart is in our heart now. We no longer are directed by our desires, but we're actually directed by Jesus's desires. And this isn't, this isn't like an easy, this isn't always something we normally think, right? We're, we're, sometimes we think of ourselves as having a bad heart or we think, man, all I want to do is bad things. But the truth is that Jesus died so that we could have good hearts and so that we could do good things and so that by nature we would be driven to good. 
That's the, that's the power of the gospel is that we're actually changed in such a powerful way that we're now driven towards good. And this is a mystery that, that this actual change happens. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So the him is Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. My dad and Luke really taught on this in such a clear way that impacted me and brought a lot of revelation and understanding to my heart. And if you guys remember the analogy Luke used, that it's like when we get a speeding ticket. We, we really, I think we've really understood that Jesus paid for the speeding ticket. So we understand that he came and suffered for us and he died for us. But the truth is, not only did he suffer and pay for it, it's as if he was in the driver's seat. It's as if we didn't even get the ticket. It's as if Jesus took it on himself. And this is, this is mystery, right? I'm not expecting everybody to be like, oh, aha, okay, now I get it. And I can reconcile this in my mind and heart and it just makes perfect sense. It's not supposed to be like that. This is mystery. And when we put our trust in the mystery of God and we put our faith in God, breakthrough comes in our life and our identity comes alive in a new way where we didn't, where it wasn't before. It's as if all of the wrong things we did, when our life intersects with Jesus, when we accept him into our heart, it is, it is as if all of the wrong things we did get switched and they're Jesus's now. And all the righteous life Jesus lived, we get. That doesn't make sense, right? That's mystery, but it's truth. And when we embrace that truth and we believe in the mystery of God, identity transformation will happen. So like I said, I wanted to talk to you guys about worship and how, what God's been speaking to me about worship lately and how that's been impacting me. I'm going to take a drink of water first. Some, some things you learn when you speak. One of the things is have cough drops in your pocket because your throat might just seize up a little bit and you cough a lot. My dad loves giving me cough drops before I come up here. Wilson, you need cough drops. What I learned last time I spoke is that you need to make sure you use the restroom right before you come up here. <laughs> last time I spoke, right before I come up here, man, I felt it coming on. I'm gonna have to pee soon. But I just thought, okay, I'll get up there and I'll forget about it. Didn't happen like that. I don't know if you guys could tell, but the, the message was about 10 minutes shorter than all the others because I had no focus. I was just like, I got to get out of here. So next time that, you know, I run off stage and Tyler comes up and leads us in a spur of the moment song, you guys will know I'm actually in the restroom. But okay, so back to worship. We're part of our new identity. There's so many new, there's so many components to our new identity in Christ. Um, last week, my dad, for the past two weeks, actually, my dad's been talking about how we are co-heirs with Christ. This is a new part of our identity is that we're co-heirs. The stuff that Jesus had access to, we get access to. And that's part of, that's part of becoming a Christian is that we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we're driven by the same thing that drove Jesus. You guys know Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how miracles were performed. Paul, Paul says that Jesus even didn't, um, consider equality with God something to be grasped. That means that he didn't function out of being divine. He functioned out of the power of the Holy Spirit. The same exact Holy Spirit that fills us and, and gives us power 
And like the stuff that happened with Ben, Ben Fitzgerald, that's the Holy Spirit living in us. So that's part of us being co-heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Um, Dave and Luke, the past couple weeks, they talked about us being sons and daughters. And that because we're sons and daughters, we have this new intimate relationship with Jesus, this new intimate relationship with God. Well, what I kind of want to, and there, I mean, there's so much more about our new identity. There's so, so much more. But what I really wanted to focus on today is that by nature now we're worshipers. Our new identity is, it's natural for us to worship. Some of you guys know this, but I lived in Jacksonville, Florida for about two and a half years. And I worked with an organization called YWAM, Youth of the Mission. So I was getting the opportunity to travel. It was, man, it was a blessing and an honor, but I was getting to travel all around the world, leading trips of young adults throughout Southeast Asia and the Middle East and South America, Central America and Europe. And it was like, it was really powerful and really shaped me a lot. And the Lord kind of was taking, was leading me to come back to Cincinnati and to move back to Cincinnati. So in 2012, I moved back here in the summer. And after having been gone for a while, I felt really charged and motivated. I want to get involved in the church. I want to volunteer. I want to be part of things. And so I asked Tyler and Lee, Lee's the uh, administrative volunteer pastor and Tyler's the worship, worship pastor here. I said, I want to get, I want to get involved. How can I volunteer? And they said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you start giving announcements? Why don't you, you know, you can get on the monthly rotation for doing announcements. I was like, okay, that sounds good. And the kind of the secret thing here is that when you're the pastor's kid, you're always a volunteer. But I was just wanting to volunteer in a new way and kind of get my, forge my own identity here, my, how I wanted to volunteer. So I still remember printing off the Word document that all the details of what I was supposed to say up here, kind of the template for what I was, what I was supposed to announce. And I, the, the printer at our house, the ink doesn't dry fast. It's really kind of like liquidy. So you have to just let it sit there. And I was just letting it sit there. I remember sitting at my desk and reading over it. And it said, so say, welcome everybody. Thank you for coming tonight or this morning. We're so happy to have you here. And then it said, introduce yourself. Say, my name is blank and I do blank here. And then it said, if you're a volunteer, just say you're a volunteer. So I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to say. Sounds good. Then I got up here and I said, hey, everybody, welcome to Vineyard Church Northwest. So happy to have you here. My name is Wilson and I'm Van and Lori's son. I mean, I'm a volunteer here. I'm a volunteer here. And I didn't know which to say. My, my identity wasn't recognized yet. I thought, well, I know I'm Van and Lori's son. And I know everybody knows me that way. And I haven't really volunteered much. So is that kind of like lying? Like, does that even seem real that I'm a volunteer when I don't actually volunteer a lot? And I struggled with that then for a couple of months that I did, I did announcements for a couple more months after that. And I struggled with that every time I had to kind of second guess, what am I going to say? I'm Van and Lori's son. I'm Van's son. I'm Lori's son, or I'm a volunteer. You know, what, what do I say about this? I was the first youth in the youth group. I'm not, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how people know me and what, what to say. I wasn't sure about my identity. Well, around the same time, Nick Hershkovich approached me and asked me to be part of Alpha. It was kind of mutual, actually, but I want to be part of Alpha. And he said, okay, cool, you should be a leader. You'll lead, one, you'll lead a young adults group for Alpha. And I was excited, and, I, and Alpha started. Alpha is a course we do here that's a really basic introductory course to Christianity, but it's actually incredible for people anywhere in their walk, whether you're uninterested, you're seeking, you're a brand-new believer, you've been a believer for 20 years. Alpha is, man, I can't recommend it more. But I had done it in high school already, so now I was getting to volunteer. And I started coming here on a weekly basis, and I started volunteering. 
And about that same time, I started helping out in Kids Jam. And I got to help out in the youth group and Amplified 912 also, which are really good things to do. I just want to say, put a plug for volunteering there. It's really fulfilling and awesome to get to be a part of the the younger people's lives. I mean, I'm a younger person, but... And I actually started volunteering. I was actually doing what I said I was. You know, so I said I'm a volunteer, but now I was actually doing it. And this is what happened. And and that gave me confidence. I came up here and I said, hi, my name's Wilson and I'm a volunteer. I volunteer here. And that was because I actually acted in that. It was no longer just a statement. It was because I was actually doing something that volunteers do. And, you know, we're not called to be once a week Christians or once a week volunteers in the kingdom. The Lord desires and the Lord has empowered us to be involved every single moment of every single day in his kingdom and to be pursuing him with everything at all times. There's never a time when God can't use us or when this isn't time for, you know, Jesus to speak to me and tell me to do something or for him to encourage me this way or that. That's a continuous always thing. But I was... And what helped me realize that was that I needed to actually step into that and I needed to actually act. And I said earlier that our actions no longer define who we are. You know, that's true. But it's also true that our actions reinforce or weaken who we are. Nothing can change who you are. We are all the righteousness of God. If we've accepted Jesus into our life, if we've been born again, we're the righteousness of God. We're co-heirs of Christ. We're sons and daughters. We're worshipers. All that is true and nothing can change it. But until we start acting in it, transformation, identity transformation won't really happen. Until we actually start stepping into that and seeing what that looks like, that's when a real shift starts to happen in our heart, in our mind, in our life. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk to you just about worship in general. And um, yeah, what I think of worship and how it's, how I've been, what I feel like God's been teaching me about worship lately. So in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, before Jesus came and and, uh, sacrificed for us and got rid of all the rules and regulations that were kind of, that were, put in place by God to help us, but really we couldn't live up to. Before Jesus came and died for us, the the way that we could worship God, the way that we could um, please him through offering was through sacrifices. And they had to be animal sacrifices or grain sacrifices, but they had to be perfect and unblemished. And it's because before Jesus came, we ourselves, we were blemished. By nature, we're blemished until we accept Jesus into our life. And so that's why they had to sacrifice perfect, unblemished things like a perfect lamb with no defect or the right amount of grain, the right amount of oil, or, you know, a perfect dove. It's because we ourselves, we weren't actually, um, will, we weren't even able, we weren't worthy to be a sacrifice yet. But when Jesus came and we exchanged with him, that exchange that took place, that the mystery of God, the awesome gift of God, we then, we were adequate in our bodies to worship God then. And we were a, a pleasing sacrifice to him. Romans 12, 1, Paul says this. He says, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So now we are holy and pleasing to God just in our body when we worship him and when we act out towards him. That is pleasing to God and that satisfies him. 
doesn't need a sacrifice of an animal anymore. We ourselves, us, we're the sacrifice now. And that's awesome because we get to experience his presence and we get to be in communion with him. We're actually experiencing him on ourself. And there's nothing better than that. There's literally nothing that will satisfy you more than experiencing his presence. I've come to realize that that's my life goal is to go after his presence and to be in a place of receiving him and stewarding this and valuing it, valuing it above Christian activity, valuing it above everything that his presence, that's the point. That's what I want to go after. There's his presence, man. I just can't, I could just keep saying his presence over and over. It's something that once you get a taste of, you'll never want a taste of anything else. It'll, it'll satisfy you in a way that you'll be seeking after it nonstop. So I want to I hit on some of the different ways that we can offer an offering to God, that we can worship him. Ways that we can sacrifice for him. A really, a really obvious one is our time. You know, we can sacrifice our time to him. We can offer the offering of our time up to God. And you know, I was talking about, I volunteered in Alpha. You guys can volunteer in Kids Jam or in Jam Babies, or you could be on the ushering team. There's so many different opportunities to offer your time as a sacrifice to God. And that doesn't just happen within the church. That's really important. It's important to serve and to be part of this body, but it's just as important to serve outside of here and to offer your time and yourself as a sacrifice, as an offering to him everywhere you go and being open to anything he leads you to do. This helps us understand and actualize our identity in Christ. Another way that we can worship him and offer ourselves to him is our finances and our money. And that's not an easy one, right? That's not something that we even really like to have suggested that. It's, it's like contrary to us. We're so ingrained like my money. But the Freedom Project, who all was part of that and how incredible that was, the we, how what we got to be a part of on a global basis when we offered it up to God and just the freedom and the work it did in our hearts by saying, Lord, you're worth more to me than my money. And I trust you so much that I'm going to demonstrate that by giving. And when we trust him in that way, yeah, identity transformation happens. And the same thing with offering our time. This isn't something that just happens in the church. Our generosity should leak over into all areas of life. We want to be known, I want, Christians should be known as the most generous, selfless people there are, and especially their finances. We trust God so much and we steward it so well that we're incredibly generous and we're always looking to meet others' needs and to provide for them in ways we can. A third way, and this isn't a comprehensive list. This is just a couple of things I thought of. There's so many ways we can worship God, but a third way that was brought to my mind was by sacrificing our health and our well-being. Who else, who, whoever's been on a mission trip, anywhere kind of hard at all or overseas or anything like that. So you know that's not an easy thing. You're really putting your health on the line in some situations. You can get sick. I've been, I've had many a night where I was spending doing the reverse, sitting and then throwing up, sitting and throwing up on toilets. And that's not, that's not fun, right? That's sacrificing our health and our well-being to God. We're saying, I love you so much, I'm willing to sacrifice that to you. And identity transformation is realized to do that. David, though, he puts King David, he was a prophet and a king in the Old Testament. 
um, he puts this in a really profound way that has impacted me. I want to share with you guys. It's in 2 Samuel 24, 24. And the context is David's wanting to um, set up a sacrifice and, and give an offering to God. And he's wanting to do it on this specific piece of land, but he doesn't own the land. So he's going to this guy named Aruna and saying, you know, I want a sacrifice here. And Aruna, since David's king, says, you can just have it. I'll just give it to you. And David says, no, no, no. And let, let's, hear, let's see what David's response is. So 2 Samuel 24, 24. But the king said to Aruna, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord that cost me nothing. For me, something that's even harder to sacrifice than my time, money, and well-being is my dignity. I don't know if you guys can relate to that at all, but it's really hard for me to sacrifice my dignity. That's something I hold on to tightly that I want to guard and I want to be, I don't want people to look at me weird. You know, I want to, I don't want people to ever think I'm not cool or that I'm doing something weird, but that's another thing we can sacrifice to God. And a kind of secret I've been learning is the harder it is for us to give away, the more it pleases God. The harder it is for us to release something, man, that just makes God's heart so happy. He's saying, wow, you love me enough that you're willing to sacrifice how you look for me. You're willing to feel foolish or look foolish for me. That touches his heart. Bill Johnson, a pastor out in Bethel says, this, this is a really cool quote that fire always falls on sacrifice. Fire always falls on sacrifice. Meaning that when we sacrifice anything to God, when we are giving to him out of the generosity and out of just a sacrificial heart, fire falls. And that fire is his Holy Spirit and his presence. And he's always going to come and meet us when we sacrifice to him. We can count on his blessing coming to us because we love him and we're showing our sacrifice to him. So kind of, kind of wrapping up, I want to show you guys a video. And this is an audition, uh, it's a clip from an audition for America's Got Talent that I, I actually was shown to me by a pastor in Jacksonville. And I just thought it was a really cool clip. And I want, I want to let you guys watch right now. And I'd encourage you to pay attention to the crowd's reaction. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, everyone. How's it going? What are your names and where are you from? I'm Fernando. I'm from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Nice. I'm Hannah. I'm from South Korea. Nice. I'm Josh Page and I'm from New York. Nice. Um, what's the name of your group? We're a singing group and the name of our group is Forte. 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 How long have you been together for? We actually, we met online and, and uh, this is our first time singing for an audience ever. Yeah, and so absolutely. you've never met each other before until when? In person. Until a few days ago before this audition. Yeah, in person. No way. So how long ago did you meet online? How long have you been rehearsing? Uh, a few weeks ago. And then we just kind of put it all together basically a couple days ago. Is this like Match.Sing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a million dollars in Radio City Music Hall. Show us what hey. you got. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, look at the joke.
That's super cool, right? And just their response, the crowd's response. I wanted you guys to see how they just responded. They didn't even, their hearts were touched and they got out of their feet and they put their hands in and they clapped. There was just the natural response. They didn't care what people thought around them. And what really hit me, what was so powerful for me about this was when I actually found out the lyrics. It's a song all in Latin. It's called P.A. Yezu. But let me read to you guys what, what they were actually singing. Merciful Jesus, merciful Jesus, merciful Jesus. Father who takes away the sins of the world. Grant them rest, grant them rest. Merciful Jesus, merciful Jesus, merciful Jesus. Father who takes away the sins of the world. Grant them rest, grant them rest. Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. Father who takes away the sins of the world, grant them rest, grant them rest everlasting. When we respond to God in worship, we're telling him how much he's worth to us. We're establishing a precedent that you're worth this much to me. You're worth my pride, my dignity, my money, my finances, my time, everything. And you know, it, it's a process for everybody. You know, for me, it started just sticking one hand out of my pocket and having one hand down like this. But the more, the more we act and the more freedom we get, it just brings breakthrough in our identity. And our identity is transformed. So I'm just going to pray really quick. We can all stand and we're going to go into worship. So Lord, I just thank you. You're so good and you love us. Thank you so much for your presence. And I just pray for your presence to come in a special way here right now. Let your presence and your glory just rest in this place. We cry out, our flesh cries out for more of you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do your thing. In Jesus' name.